0: Hey, Rarecast listeners, I wanted to let you know that Global Genes Report NEXT 2022, Redefining the Possible, is now available for free download. This is our annual report on the rare disease landscape. Learn how patients are taking ownership of their own data, how artificial intelligence and new sequencing technologies are accelerating the diagnosis of rare diseases, and how patient organizations are Moving up the value chain and taking an increasingly active role in drug development. To download the report, go to the GlobalGenes website, globalgenes.org, and under the resources tab, click on Media Hub. I'm Daniel Levine and this is RareCast. Progressive dystrophic epidermolysis bullosa is a rare genetic progressive condition caused by the deficiency of collagen type 7. People with severe cases of the condition suffer from blistering, vision loss, disfigurement, and other serious medical problems. Castle Creek Biosciences is developing a therapy that involves genetically modifying a patient's own fibroblast, the cells in the connective tissue, to get them to produce collagen 7. The modified cells are injected where needed and can be dosed repeatedly. We spoke to Matthew Gantz, president and CEO of Castle Creek, about the company's experimental therapy for RDEB, how it works, and how the company is building out its pipeline through dealmaking. Matt, thanks for joining us great to be here. We're going to talk about Castle Creek, its approach to gene therapy, and some recent deals it's made to expand its platform and pipeline. I thought we could start with your core gene therapy platform, though, which involves skin cells you take from patients to genetically modify as treatments for rare connective tissue disorders. Walk me through the platform and how it works.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd be delighted to, yeah, we're, uh, we have our our platform is based on what we call to- autologous fibroblasts. So we take uh, uh, biopsies from patients, and we extract the fibroblasts that are in their skin cells, and then we um, uh, transfect a uh, healthy uh, copy of the missing gene in question for our lead indication we're targeting recessive dystrophic epidermolysis bullosa, or RDAB for short. These patients are missing collagen seven, and that's important because uh, collagen seven is responsible for uh, the um, uh, for uh, ensuring that you have uh, healthy anchoring fibrils. It's essentially the glue that holds your dermis and your epidermis together. Without it, your uh, any kind of trauma or friction causes blisters that fester into these uh, chronic open wounds that are really debilitating. Can lead to a whole host of of uh, complications including uh, sepsis infection and then uh, unfortunately in in some of the more uh, severe forms of disease squamous cell carcinoma so these patients unfortunately die young and what we're really doing is replacing uh, the the missing gene uh, in these patients using our autologous fibroblast uh, approach and so the combination of the leniviral vector that we use which has a high packaging capacity these are typically you know a larger uh, 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 genes and um, and and then we um, uh, we then uh, transfect them into these fibroblasts. We grow them up. Uh, we're able then to uh, bank these um, uh, these cells so that we can dose uh, repeatedly over time. So it, it really it's a single biopsy that allows us then to treat this you know this this terrible devastating uh, disease. And we, it's a, it's really designed to be a chronic therapy.
0: So as you mentioned, your, your lead indication is our Deb for, for listeners not familiar with the condition. What is it? How does it manifest itself and progress?
1: Yeah, it's a monogenic disease. These patients are born uh, missing uh, collagen seven, which uh, leads to the develop, which is really a critical component for the development of these anchoring fibrils. As, as I said, it's the, it's the glue that holds your dermis and epidermis together. And, and without it, uh, you know, the the essentially the, the patients are, are missing skin or their skin's very fragile. So any kind of uh, any kind of trauma or friction uh, results in blisters that fester into these chronic open wounds that essentially never heal. Uh, and so, you know, you can uh, imagine the the amount of wound care. Um, it's 24-7. Uh, when you talk to patients and their families, they, they talk about as if, you know, their skin's on fire, as if a dog with sharp teeth is tearing at their flesh. So it's really a, a horrific disease. Uh, and it, it manifests itself in a variety of different ways. Um, you, you have um, uh, the, the uh, repeat healing and scarring uh, around, the, uh, around the hand leads to mitten-hand syndrome. And so these patients require surgeries to free up uh, use of their digits. It also affects the mucosa, so you get uh, esophageal strictures. And so there's a requirement for surgery so that they can actually eat food and swallow properly. And many of these patients end up becoming wheel, wheel bound because they lose functionality of their feet. It's just too painful um, uh, to walk. So, it, it, and then ultimately, as I said, they succumb to infection uh, and uh, and and squamous cell carcinoma, which, uh, uh, which results in, in a lot of these patients dying young, unfortunately.
0: And what's it... What's it like to live with this condition? What is daily life like for a patient who suffers from ARDB?
1: it's you know it's it's brutal it's probably one of the most terrific rare diseases i have ever come across i've been in in the um, in the, 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 the uh, biotech industry for most of my career and I have focused in in the rare disease space in particular in And uh, dystrophic EB is is truly one of the most uh, horrific uh, diseases. It's all otherwise known as butterfly uh, disease because the the skin is fragile as a butterfly's wings. Um, You know, these patients need to be uh, bandaged uh, 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 every day. Um, And so it it can take hours to um, uh, prepare those uh, bandaging. They need to take uh, baths to clean the wounds. Uh, so it's, it's, a it's basically 24 seven. I mean, um, it's, and it's not in a, you know, typically this, you know, these patients are born missing skin. So it falls, the burden falls on, on parents and, you know, siblings uh, and and other family members. And so it's, it's, uh, you know, these families are, are, are really all in and it's, uh, and they, they, they spend a lot of time uh, undergoing uh, surgical uh, interventions as well to, to, you know, uh, what we call digital dilation surgeries to free up use of their hands. So it, it, it truly is a, a, a devastating uh, disease in terms of not only the cost and burden of care and some of the, you know, um, you know some of the more advanced forms of disease. These, uh, you know, patients can spend hundreds and thousands of dollars a, a year on advanced bandages uh, and wound care. That um, they also uh, can succumb to infections, as I said, and. And, uh, you know, uh, the impact on their quality of life is, is, uh, is horrendous.
0: Are, are there treatment options today?
1: Yeah, you know, right now, there there are no treatment options available. It's, it's basically, I mean, the, it's, it's more palliative. Um, it's, it's salves, uh, you know, maybe um, antibiotic ointment um, to uh, ward off infections, um, advanced uh, wound care um, are really all that's available
0: right now. You're Lead product candidate is FCX What seven. What is this, and and how is it delivered?
1: Yeah, this is a oh seven, otherwise known as a defi, is our our therapy that uses utilizes our autologous fibroblast platform. So this is a, a, a an intradermal uh, administration of uh, of of, uh, of defi. So. Uh, we administer it uh, around the wound and through the wound bed. It's about a 15-minute procedure, uh, and the combination of the, um, of, the, uh, of the lentiviral vector along with fibroblasts um, uh, allow us to dose this every 12 weeks, which really lines up very nicely with the current care paradigm that these patients, uh, they typically come in every three to four months uh, for, uh, uh, for their regular visits and 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 we're really able to to uh design the therapy so that it you know the um, the treatments are in line with their, their their typical uh visits
0: and what's known about the safety and efficacy of 07 to date well i mean right now
1: we we have um, it's based on our phase one two data uh, we we've um, we've been able to demonstrate in our in our phase one two uh you know very uh, it's, uh, we've treated 10 wounds across six patients. So again, this is an ultra-orphan condition. There's you know, about 3,500 to 4,000 uh, patients that suffer from, from RDEB in the United States. Um, so this is what we call an, an ultra-orphan condition. Uh, we treated, as I said, six patients and, and up to 10 wounds in our phase one, two st- uh, study. Um, very well tolerated, up to 52 weeks post-treatment. There was no drug related. Um, Serious adverse events reported. There was no um, replication competent lentivirus detected, and there was no uh, collagen seven antibody response. These are all things that we were, you know, we were looking for. So the, um, uh, the the safety profile looked looked quite quite good in our phase one two. I think importantly, then the the efficacy we demonstrated uh, at uh, a, a single dose over 12 weeks that we had um, uh, 80% of the wounds that we had treated had com- that met the primary endpoint of complete wound closure. What
0: is the development path forward?
1: Well, the development path forward is that we are in the midst of our, we've taken the uh, uh, findings from our, our phase one, two, um, and on the basis of our, uh, of our findings and our interaction with the FDA, uh, we have entered, embarked upon our, our phase three study. So we are um, uh, uh, evaluating uh, our therapy and, uh, and more patients. So we've gone from six in our phase one, two, we're going to enroll, we're enrolling um, at least 24 patients. Uh, and from there, we are also um, dosing them with an extra dose. So we dose it at, um, at baseline and at week 12, and then we were following these patients out for 24 weeks. And And the primary endpoint is complete wound closure, 100% uh, closure of the wound, of the first wound pair. And that's treated versus a matched uh, control. So we, we look at, uh, we're, we're essentially using um, uh, the other wounds on the patient that are not treated, and we compare them to uh, the wounds that we do treat.
0: You've got a number of other candidates in development for connective tissue disorders that use ex vivo approaches, but you're also building a broader pipeline of gene therapies behind that. In January, you acquired Novavita Vita Thera, which gave you an in vivo gene therapy platform and a pipeline of earlier stage candidates for metabolic and liver diseases. What was the thinking behind the acquisition?
1: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you a little bit of a kind of the the thinking and the story. Actually, quite really interesting. I mean, as we looked at, you know, how do we leverage our Ex platform, our expertise around um, and knowledge and insight gained around the the use of of the lenvivar um, uh, 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 delivery approach. Uh, the uh, I think very importantly, the manufacturing. A uh, capability that we have here—we we actually were one of the first uh, companies to have a cell therapy approved uh, and launched out of our exton facility, which is about 30 miles outside of uh, Philadelphia, which is a real, you know, center of excellence and 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 hub for for, for gene therapy uh, development. And so, on the basis of that, we uh, we actually uh, entered in discussions with the Mayo Clinic uh, to expand and to other uh, collagen-related skin and connective tissue disorders. And that resulted in a, in a research collaboration that we announced back in September with the Mayo, um, uh, broadening out into other uh, collagen-related uh, skin and connective tissue t- disorders such as osteogenesis imperfecta, which is otherwise known as brittle bone disease and, and a, 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 um, a syndrome of vascular disorders called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome that affect type three and type five collagen and that was really exciting. Those are all those are preclinical, we're partnering with the Mayo um, and they're in the midst of, of, of doing some uh, additional animal work um, as we look at uh, bringing those forward. Uh, but in that conversation, uh, we were introduced to a company that was spun out of the Mayo called Nova Vita. And they had uh, really interesting technology uh, utilizing in vivo uh, uh, based Lenti uh, approaches which we thought really complemented the work that we were doing at uh, uh at Castle Creek, and so those conversations um, um, you know became quite uh formal um, uh, late last year, and we were able to announce uh, the acquisition of nova Vita uh, back in uh early part of this year in, in early january
0: you you mentioned the collaboration with Mayo when you announced that the the sense I got was that that was serving in some regard as a model for future deals you're hoping to do. Can, can you expand on that? Yeah, I, we thought that
1: this was really important. Um, you know, obviously the Mayo is a is one of the preeminent um, uh, academic uh, uh, centers of, of excellence in, in the world and, and have some, you know, r- super bright, dedicated um, uh, researchers there. And so, you know, we really thought that was a great opportunity for us to uh, get closer to them and 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 that those conversations uh, you know i think they they really liked the you know our 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 team our the the approach that we were taking uh in in the cell and gene therapy space our vision for uh where we wanted to take the company and 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 the manufacturing uh capability that we had they 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 thought that that was a, a really great combination um and so uh, in those conversations, you know I think getting getting their trust and support there um, opened uh, uh, possibilities that you know other possibilities that that led to the, the the Nova Vita transaction. And so for us, you know that was important because I think not only you know the way I would describe us you know, um, you know prior to the Nova Vita transaction, what we've you know really now have evolved from what was really a search developed manufacture and eventually commercialized model. We now with uh, nova vita we've now brought on some great talent uh, dr joe Liligard, who's an md phd uh, uh, a leading expert in 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 the gene therapy space uh, and, you know, had a, a lab at the mayo he's joined us as our chief scientific officer and his co-founder uh, uh, rob kaiser is joined us as our vp preclinical uh, development and they they you know both are You know, on uh, a host of papers, have done a lot of work in the space. And so we now have uh, essentially built a research capability uh, with Joe and Rob and and the Nova Vita team coming on board that, you know, has now now, you know, really uh, taken us into allows us to become a much more fully integrated business.
0: As you think about the the Mayo collaboration, though, what does it do for Castle Creek and and what might it say about similar collaborations with academic medical centers in the future
1: yeah i would say you know obviously it expands our our pipeline into areas that uh, we weren't in so you know we essentially had two two programs one targeting recessive dystrophic eb the other uh, moderate to severe localized scleroderma building on this autologous fibroblast platform the the mayo uh, collaboration expands that significantly into a broader array of other skin and connective tissue disorders. Um, so that's, I think, really important, step one, uh, and and gets us, you know, really uh, ties us into, you know, um, uh, one of the preeminent um, uh, academic and research institutions in the world. So I think that's really important. So I think this is really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the potential um, there uh, on that front. And then, you know, through that, Uh, through that um, relationship uh, being introduced to the Nova Vita team, we now have this in vivo Lenti capability that takes us into a whole host of other areas that our ex vivo-based approach maybe wasn't um, optimal for. So we now can go into other rare metabolic and liver diseases and and, and, and as opposed to what I call more of a disease-modifying approach that we would take with this ex vivo-based approach, we can now apply a more curative uh, uh, approach. More, I think, what people are more familiar with in terms of gene therapy, in terms of, of curing some of these diseases, and it really broadens out uh, where we can go, and 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 and, it, and rapidly you know, allows us to rapidly expand our, our pipeline into into these other disease areas. And so, you know, for me, this is important because we can really um, uh, design and optimize therapies. Uh, to treat uh, a variety of different diseases, so it's it's really allows us to optimize the approach depending on on the, the the diseases that we're we're targeting.
0: You joined Castle Creek as a CEO about a year ago. What attracted you to the company? What was the opportunity you saw?
1: Yeah, I, you know uh, uh, several things. I, I, you know, first, you know, I, I'm I was on the board of uh, Life Sciences PA, one of the industry associations here, and and you know was very familiar with the um, um, you know uh, kind of focus and and role that that the Greater Philadelphia area was playing in gene therapy with a lot of the you know great technology coming out of uh, UPenn and Chop, uh, Children's Hospital Pennsylvania. Um, and 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 this you know whole revolution around gene therapy. So uh, you know, so I, I caught the bug. I've been in the rare disease space for most of my life, and and um, I, I knew the uh, you know, main uh, the, the founder and you know I would say the 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 investor and founder that really helped build Castle Creek into what it is today, Paragon. Um, I knew them, and and I was really um, uh, kept. Uh, captivated by the the vision um that they had in terms of the of where they could take the company um you know i i thought that the the, the background experience of of having one of the first cell therapies uh, approved um having uh, a manufacturing uh, capability was a, a huge strategic advantage for uh for uh for castle creek and then, you know, focusing on these rare diseases, which is really, you know, right up my alley in an area of great focus and interest for me, um, I thought that there was just a great foundation to to build up. Uh, the the deep pockets commitment, capability that Paragon brings, the, the the team that we had in place, backed by the manufacturing, the you know, lead programs, and, and also the the track record from you know from a business development perspective in terms of. Of uh acquiring and 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 building building companies really uh really attracted me to, to Castle Creek.
0: You raised 75 million in 2020. You did get some non-dilutive funding to support your phase three study of 07 in the form of an FDA orphan product grant. How far will existing funding take you and what's the plan for funding the company from here?
1: Yeah, so we've we've been very fortunate. We've got a great group of investors uh, led by Paragon, Fidelity, uh, Valor, and a few other um, uh, uh, key individuals and family offices. And and so, you know, we have have a lot of sight through, you know, most of of this year, Um, and we are looking to uh, raise additional funds to uh, fund the company through our you know, key um, uh, key inflection points in terms of the uh, top line data from our ongoing phase three and in our and then also uh, as we look at uh, uh, you know, building out our in vivo lenti platform, uh, we are looking. Uh, you know, we that, that we're looking to secure funding that will get us through that uh, through the filing of our IND there, which we're a little over a year away from. So, so the the focus right now is. Um, you know is 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 you know uh, uh, building on the um, uh, building on the, the these recent transactions uh, really focusing on executing on our lead um, uh, program in uh, in uh, in our getting the uh, IND uh, filed for the uh, uh, for our H hereditary tyrosinemia program which is a disease of inborn heirs uh, it, uh, these patients are missing a, a gene called FAH, and so our In Viva Lenti program is addressing that as our uh, lead, lead opportunity, and what we're really excited about is that really will then kind of open the, the, the door for uh, follow-on indications and other rare metabolic and liver diseases.
0: Matthew Gantz, President and CEO of Castle Creek. Matt, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Dan. Appreciate it.